everyone, and welcome to episode 299 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? It is going very well, Seth. How are you doing this fine morning? I am doing super well. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun playing Magic lately. I, I know, I know, surprise, surprise, but seriously, but before we get into all that, we got another co-host, and Krim, how are you this fine Monday, Krim? Uh, going all right. I, I mean, I've, I've got to reset my little uh, recording area, but, you know, I, I and set that up. But other than that, everything else has been good. Uh, yeah, you uh, you moved recently, right? Yep, yep, yep. Or, like, yeah, at least for the studio stuff. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, might be a little more echoey today, but uh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you sound uh, pretty good to me. So, anyway... Uh, today, we have some pretty interesting topics. We wanted to talk about Standard, which we just had bannings now two weeks ago, which has given all of us a lot of time to play Standard. So we want to get kind of thoughts on Standard, where it's at after our second round of bannings, what we've been playing, all that kind of stuff. We also got a new secret lair drop that we wanted to mention, and another big topic that's come up this week is leaks because commander legends has been leaking pretty rapidly over the last week or so we're not going to talk about leaked cards uh, so you don't got to worry about that if you're trying to avoid leaks but we want to talk a little bit about how we interact with leaks and like leaks and magic from a more meta perspective and then of course answer your fish mail so that's the overview for today before we get into it a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And if you've ever tried to buy list your magic cards, oh my goodness, it's a lot of work. You gotta do all this sorting, you gotta do all this typing, you gotta do all this shipping. It is not a whole lot of fun. Well, Card Conduit, they got you covered. They are the easiest way to sell magic cards. And if you're looking to avoid all those hassles I was just mentioning and all the time it takes to sell your cards, this new service from the folks over at Card Hoarder will sort, grade, and sell your magic cards for you. And once you're shipping process, you'll get the proceeds minus their fee, and right now, you can get a 10% discount by heading over to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So, thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show, and let's talk some magic. Let's start with standard. So, we had, let's see, uh, two weeks ago today, I think, actually, or was it last week? I, so much happens in magic I, these days. Yeah. Is, is it just a week now? So, we had bannings. I think it's been a week. We had bannings a week ago. We had Omnath gone. Of course, Uro was already gone from a little bit before that. But the most recent round, Omnath, Lucky Clover, Escape to the Wilds. So we've had a week to play this new standard format. What do you guys think? Like, how have you been enjoying standard? Is standard fixed finally after this latest round of Vannings? Uh, what has your experience been in our new standard format? Uh, well, I've actually really been enjoying it. I Mostly, I could tell I've been, I, I mean, I've been having a lot of fun because I can build a random deck uh, and it, I mean, like, like pure pile, like it looks like a binder of cards were thrown into a deck and still able to like manage to get a win. Right. And so on top of that, like the, the best decks right now, which seemed like there isn't one particularly, right? I mean, like I think the CFB pro event or whatever had like the 10% of the field, the best deck was like Rakdos midrange. And I, I think that if that's the case, that's actually a really good spot, right? 10% of the meta is one deck. And maybe that's because it's a little bit early right now and we haven't had the pros sit down, take a crack at what's good. Uh, and it, it does seem like a lot, of, like there's a decent amount of blinking decks. Choose your pick of Yorion. Uh, but Yorion, not as the companion, Yorion just 
in the deck. Yeah, Yarion has definitely been on the rise. I would say in just like the last couple days, like towards the end of the week, people have uh, started moving back to Yarion, which I guess kind of the cool thing about Yarion is we're not just seeing straight up like blue-white decks, but we've seen some like Mardu Yarion decks. We've seen Selesnya Yarion decks. There's been a bunch of different color combinations, which I think is cool. And I mean, as far as diversity, that's the thing I'm most excited about right yep. now. Like that, my experience playing Arena has been that the format has been really diverse, and for the first time in I don't even know how long, like over this weekend, I actually played a lot of Standard just for fun. Which it sounds so weird to say that because that's Whoa. just playing not, Magic for fun. What are you, a casual? Come on, Seth. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, well, I play Magic for fun sometimes, but usually it's like modern, or maybe that's my excuse to like do Legacy. If I have just like free time to play magic over the last couple years it's almost never standard that's what i choose just for like my fun magic playing time but this weekend i could have played a legacy league i could have played a modern league i could have done a draft and i actually just chose to play standard because i've been enjoying the format like it's diverse i feel like you can do a lot of different things there's nothing that's obviously broken in the format there's no mana doublers there's no one card that you're like oh my god i'm gonna play this 50 percent of the time i can't beat it no matter what i do and it hasn't been like that in standard for a long time so i'm like thrilled and i think the tournaments back this out too if you look at the tournaments over the weekend yes they're not like gps or pro tour level tournaments but still they're pretty diverse like some of them have like seven or eight different decks in their top eights others have like five or six and they have a huge like just look at the decks that won these tournaments there's like a gruel deck that won a tournament demir control won a tournament we've had mono green food win tournaments we've had an is it deck win a tournament so it's kind of all over the place as far as what's good so i i've actually been loving it this is the most fun i've had playing standard in months and months and months but what about you richard have you been uh, standarding at yeah, all i uh i did what everyone did and went to the throne of eldraine card list and started brewing <laughs> and i i found a card that People were really hyped about during preview season and it never panned out because it was overshadowed by like literally everything else from the set. But I've been playing Feasting Troll King uh, in, in Standard and. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Mono Green Food, I think, is really good. Uh, I, I started I started playing like a, a mono green variant, but everything kept getting removed uh, due to all the removal standards. So I started playing uh, Garrick's Harbinger, which has Hexproof from Black. Uh, I started playing Wicked Wolf, which gets indestructible, and then Feasting Troll King, which just comes back and uh, just basically outgrinds anyone. So I've been playing Mono Green Food, uh, been seeing like basically every deck you can possibly see in Standard right now. There's uh, these green base shells, uh, similar to what I'm playing. There's just the straight Mono Green Aggro with uh, Swarm Shambler. Uh, you have Rakdos Midrange, you have people trying to mono red, you have rogue decks still going on, you have Demir Control, uh, all the blink decks, uh, the adventure decks. So it's just like midrange fest in standard now. Uh, I don't think I see like an unfair, like the most unfair deck is like the blink deck or something. Like it's not really, there's nothing crazy going on. Ugin hasn't really showed up at all. Uh, so, so yeah, I think we Yet. are, <laughs> we are like, we are in like mid-range fest standard right now and i think it will probably be that way I, I don't think like standard breaks pretty fast nowadays right like a couple days after the format releases whatever you're seeing in tournament results is usually the meta like gone are the days where the pro tour hits and then the whole thing changes it's like kind of what it is 
So I, I think standard is fixed, question mark? I, I think Wizards has finally done it after the 19,000th ban uh, we've gotten here. And then we just got to hold our breath until the next set where they release more broken cards and see what, <laughs> see what happens. They finally I fixed mean, it true after all the mana <laughs> doubling, all the ramp, all the free, free cheaty spells. Like, yeah. I, I think it's actually really simple when it comes down to it. In when they got rid of Omnath, that was like the last free spell left over. And if you go back through the last year and a half or whatever of standard that has been just so, so bad, that's been consistently the problem. Fires of Invention, a free spell that doubles your mana. Willer's Reclamation, a free spell that doubles your mana. Like, many of the problematic cards in standard have been very similar to Omneth, another free spell if you play it on turn five with a fetch land that doubles your mana, essentially. Like, it's so simple. Like, just avoid those cards. And now those all those cards are out of the format. We're talking about standard being awesome and grindy and, like, diverse. It's It's really not that hard like it seems very simple for wizards to avoid doing this in the future whether or not they will do that or they view things the same way that i'm viewing them and uh, like remains to be seen but it doesn't seem that hard you know from my perspective to keep standard in a relatively functional state just stop printing free spells at double your mana like come on like shouldn't wizards have already known that it blows my mind that we even had to go through this last year and a half because those are lessons that we've talked about for like decades now if free spells are broken we're just like hey let's just print a bunch of free spells in standard this will be good i i think <sighs> that the years like they they know they do know it's just that's what they wanted right for the last couple of years i don't know why that was the met, like the, the design they wanted to go with, but like, like they know, right? There's no way you just, oh, accidentally you let these cards slide, like slip through. I have to assume they know. Cause I mean, maybe one, sure. But when there's a ton of free spells cheating, uh, like on mana, you know, I, I find it a little problematic. And, uh, yeah, like th- they had to have known. And, you know, now that they definitely learned, I, I hope they, <laughs> they take this and they, uh, <laughs> they, they keep that in mind. Whatever, That's a whatever. bold we'll assumption talking. that they've learned anything. Um. Oh, okay, okay. Also true. Also true. Maybe I'm uh, like that is quite the bold assumption. But hopefully, we'll see this what three years down the line when we go to whatever the set is at that time. Because the 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 this stuff we won't see them acknowledging it for three or four years. The response is usually slower from wizards. At least it lo- it seems slower because they're pl- like building four years ahead. Or something like that. So this is all part of fire design and like pushing power level. And obviously they pushed it too far. But they, they're they trying to push power level while keeping everything balanced, right? Like that's called power creep. How can they keep magic interesting without power creep? Like, you know, every creature has a free spell attached to it nowadays, right? They come with an ETB. Uh, when they make literal free spells like Delve and Phyrexian Mana, it's just too broken. Right? When they make all your other spells free with mana doublers, it's too broken. Right? Like, where do you draw the line? Or, like, do you think we can just go back to playing like a literal five mana, four, four flying vigilance, call it a day and have fun? Or do we need a staple like three spells on it uh, to make it interesting? Uh, because you can balance standard at like any level. Right. Uh, but Wizards is choosing to keep increasing power level. And then, it, you know, it's, I guess it's harder to balance. But theoretically, uh, we are balanced. Like if we are balanced right now, creatures today are way more powerful than they were, uh, you know, two years ago, five years ago, etc. So, like, do you guys think we'll just keep running into this problem, or like, how can wizards keep the game interesting without power creep? Uh, hey, 
so I would say, like, I actually kind of, I think right now standard is still very high powered. We don't have the, the broken, like, mana doubler stuff, but there are still a lot of very powerful cards in standard, even with, I don't even know, 10 cards banned at this point or whatever that haven't, wouldn't have rotated yet. So I actually think, like, wizards can have a pretty high powered standard that is still, like, power creepy. Like, Crocs is still a power creepy card. And there is a lot like the Great Henge or Embercleave. Those are very, very strong magic cards. So I feel like they can keep a pretty high power level, but just a avoid those certain things that uh, the last year have shown ends up like breaking the format which seems to primarily be free spells and things that double your mana or going too heavy on on uh, on ramp spells so i think we're going to keep power creeping i can't imagine wizards like pulling it back i think sadly the the days of baneslayer angel or sarah angel being something that you can play and like actually win with or even like play with a straight face i think we maybe have just moved past that in the era of magic that we're in now but i'm kind of okay with high powered standard as long as it's not broken standard where one decks 50 or 70 percent of the meta and i think they can achieve that goal by just like avoiding the things that caused all the problems over the past year like you can still print really powerful cards just don't have them double your mana or be free spells yeah i mean like when the game is like a lot of like resource management (laughs) and you have like your cards make it so that you have unlimited resources or double the resources out of nowhere. Uh, you know, it, it leads to just a lot of broken things. Yeah, I. So I actually dislike this high power level, but uh, like I think this the secret to keeping magic interesting is the flavor. As weird as that sounds, right? And it doesn't have to be like actual stories and backdrops and things like that. But the rogue deck was like very popular just because they were rogues. Right. If you replace that with a tribe, say skeletons, I don't think the rogue deck is as popular, <laughs> right? Like, I, I think part of the allure of it is like, I'm playing rogues, right? Or I get to play zombies or things like that, right? So I think they could keep things interesting by like doing like flavor things or like world setting, like the Eldraine fairy tale things. Like, a lot of the cards are just inherently interesting because. Uh, you know, it's a it's a fairy tale character, or it's a strange world, or things like that, right? I don't think you need power creep to sell the packs. I think uh, using flavor and and things like that, maybe even using other people's IP is a positive or negative. <laughs> I don't know, right? It detracts from the magic world, but it brings it a different world, right? That's a way they're trying to sell packs, right? So, I, yeah, I just think things other than power, right? Because it's just so high power now. Like I I was talking to Seth earlier. You can't play any creature in standard. It gets removed so quickly. So all your creatures need to have insane value, either hexproof, indestructible, recur from the graveyard, draw you X cards when they enter the battlefield, remove a creature or something. Because when you play your four drop and then they play their two mana removal, you are set very far behind. So the only way to counteract that is to have your four power, uh, your four CMC card do insane things. And then to offset that, you need your removal to do insane things, and then it just escalates. And then, uh, you know, what actually ends up happening is no one plays creatures or removals, and they play combo decks, right? So uh, I, I don't know about those power creep business, but I would like to see them build interesting worlds, have like cool, like lore or tribe or things like that, and try to sell sets based on that rather than like this card is so good it slots into legacy, modern, vintage, and standard, so you're gonna buy it, right? Like, right. So I mean, right, so we. Well, 
Okay. Oh, go ahead, Grim. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I'm i I'm still a fan, like, like of this higher power. Uh, I mean, I just don't ever want to go back to, like, an Ixalan kind of, like, looking format. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, this... This power, it, like, the power increase has actually been quite enjoyable when you look at it from, like, M21, because I would say that, that that's a lot of power. That, that, that set's really strong. I mean, Zendikar absolutely nailed it. So I, I like this power increase. And I mean, yeah, like, a lot of the creatures do a little bit more. Um, the answers, like, need to get a little, like, need to, like, they're probably never going to make the answers better than the creatures again. So that that's just I, I right now don't feel like the answers are better than the creatures, but uh, I, I do I do like the increase in power. So I I do think uh, one thing you mentioned, Richard, was older formats, and I do I do dislike the power creep more in older formats. Personally, I'm more of a fan of like formats like Modern and Legacy changing much slower than they have over the past couple years. But I still think that without the mistake cards that have been printed like maybe that's fine like like maybe maybe it's not as bad as we think it is and the fact that we've had certain cards that are just so incredibly broken that they have broken literally every format to the point where we had bannings in vintage which is not even something (laughs) that you're supposed to have in that format period like uh, maybe once the obvious mistake cards are dealt with the power level will be okay in older formats and in standard. What do you think about the upcoming sets, Richard? You mentioned flavor selling sets rather than just raw power and pushing the cards. So we know we're going to Keldheim, some sort of like Viking-y Norse set. We know we're doing this like wizardy college academy set. And then we know we're doing D&D into Innistrad again. Are those, in your opinion, flavors that we'll be able to sell without being super push power level wise is that kind of what you're thinking of or uh other things uh, who knows we're gonna have to see the car like it when when i heard of aldrain you're like fairy tales like yeah okay right but then the way they actually did it was like really cool right so uh same with innistrad right i don't watch horror movies i don't really care about zombies and vampires and things like that right but just the way they executed it uh was really good so I don't care about Vikings or Norse mythology or, or whatever particularly, but if they execute on it very well, then uh, it could be a very cool set. So uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of up to wizards, but, you know, I would rather see, you know, a cool mechanic, a cool frame or something and, and stuff like that rather than like a two mana 8-8 trample hexproof or something in, in, in these sets, right? Like I, I, would, I would just rather the cards be cool, right? Like Super boggle. We, we meme... <laughs> We meme that, like, Modern is 2019 forward, right? Like, all the cards you play in Modern are basically, like, standard cards, right? Like, if you took Jun from, like, 2016 or something stock and played it against a standard deck nowadays, like, I don't know how it goes, right? It's actually that debatable. So, there's just, like, the power creep affects the older formats, and then it kills the charm of the older formats, right? The older formats are you're supposed to play cards from Magic's history, not your standard deck plus some staples and then here you go right so so yeah I, I just don't really enjoy that aspect but at the same time it sells so many packs right like when there is a card in zendikar rising that is played in every format including commander you know modern pioneer up to vintage people get hyped people are like wow this card is so good i need to buy four of i need to buy you know the vip collection booster version because it is an all 
you know, format staple and they go nuts, right? Like fatal push. As soon as there's some secret layer version, people just buy it up, right? Because they know it's played in every single format. So it sells cards. So I, I don't know how you battle against both of that. Like how do you prevent the old formats from getting overrun with new cards while at the same time selling the new cards because they're actually played in every single format and they won't rotate. And I do think they already have been like with collector's boosters and like the showcase art cards, like the, the fairy tale cards from Eldorain and the comic book cards from Ikoria. I do think that's another way they're going about it, which is like just printing cards that actually look cool. Even like I, I have a, I have a Brokos. I was, <laughs> I was cleaning out my car the other day and <laughs> apparently opened a collector, a collector's booster pack back when Ikoria came out and put it in my, my glove box, but it has the, the promo Brokos and Brokos isn't a very good card. Like Brokos isn't a card I'm really interested in playing. But it just looks so sweet. Like, it's a card, I'm looking at it right now, it's sitting on my desk now, and it just looks really cool. So even though the card's not cool, I'm, like, kind of happy that I have this copy of Brokos, just because it's a really sweet-looking magic card. Seth with random cards in his club compartment. <laughs> <laughs> was it a foil? Was it Was it actually a tube at this point? <laughs> no, it was, thankfully it was non, it was non-foil, so it survived. <laughs> Uh, so what have you been playing in standard? Like Richard, you mentioned you've been playing the food deck, which we actually played on stream. And my experience has been that deck is really sweet as well. Uh, Krim, what have you uh, been playing in standard? Anything in specific that's, I know you're playing a bunch of stuff, but anything in specific that's uh, been super fun or stuck out to you? Uh, you know, I, I've actually really been enjoying the, the, the doom foretold decks. And on top of that, I've been really enjoying, um, the Yorion deck and I've been playing Grixis Control. Uh, and, and like a lot, actually, I've been playing a lot of Grixis Control. Any, any, anytime I can play good old one for one, like I'm gonna counter spell you kind of magic, I, I love it. Like I am on board. Uh, and, and the mono green deck is, the, the food deck is a little problematic at points because I always forget that Wolf can just come down and be indestructible. But like, uh, yeah, like I, I, I think right now, like Grixis Control with a lot of exiling effects, like Eat to Extinction. Uh, that's, that's how I've been playing. Uh, Eat to Extinction with a silly amount of graveyard hate. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds very much like I would expect you to be playing in our new standard format. Banning's yeah. <laughs> come in and Grim's like, oh, it's Grixis Control time. <laughs> Is it viable? <laughs> no, but I'm gonna uh, play it anyways. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, those those decks are sweet. I yeah, like I said, I've been playing the food deck, which is really sweet. Uh, it really, it's like mono green control almost. I think it's almost fair to call it that because when I think of mono green, I think it just like stomping people with creatures quickly. But this is a deck that really, it, instead, you're like grinding out value and winning on like turn I don't even know twenty or something. I've also been trying desperately to make mono red stacks work i really want to like uh, play fire emancipation and play Ooh. torbrand and then just play like the random enchantments that ping people every <laughs> turn there's like valica exploration and the and i haven't been able to get it to like really be good yet but boy it's really funny Ear when it works you just like yeah, you that, just stack up all that stuff, it. and you're like, eh, you're taking, like, three a turd from my random... What's that enchantment that you were really high on, Oh, Grim? Roy the one that Roiling, was like Roiling Vortex. 
Yeah, you're taking like three a turn, or if you have Torbrand, you're taking like twelve a turn or something ridiculous from a single Roiling Vortex. So that that's something that I think is neat. And even though that deck I don't think is very good, it's good enough that you can play it right now because it's so diverse and there's so much going on. You're gonna hit your good matchups once in a while and like pick up some wins with it. So I've just been I've been just loving Standard lately, honestly. Like it's it's been super super fun. Yeah. I, I like and and by the way for that deck if you play Aaron Crack Feet uh, one thing I've been adding is a uh, Leyline Tyrant so then this way you can on four play Leyline Tyrant save the three additional mana uh, <laughs> and it's been a it's been a lot of fun and of course you know Leyline Tyrant itself if they kill it and you have the excess mana and Emancipation up <laughs> you can deal a lot of damage with that on top of that uh, with that exact same deck the the uh, the one thing that I've had a lot of fun with is that e- even though Roiling Vortex hits myself for three, <laughs> like, like <laughs> that it, it is cool to see uh, multiple Vortexes stack and just take opponents out. Yeah, definitely, definitely a fun idea. It reminds me of a lot of people's Torbrand's commander decks, actually. They're built around all those, like, effects that just randomly, like, mana barbs and stuff. That yeah, randomly yeah. Do that. You're like, hey, I got a Torbrand, so now you're taking a bunch of damage. It's kind of like the, the standard version of the Torbrand's decks, commander decks. But definitely sweet that decks like that actually have a chance of succeeding. There's also, I don't know if you saw any of the Channel Fireball tournament, uh, yesterday, the CFP showdown. Um, there was someone that I, I believe top aided playing a mono basic land phallix ramp deck. It was like, uh, Felidaire, Felidaire, uh, the Felidaire enchantment that makes cats and the phallix, uh, that makes a bunch of plants when it comes into play with an entirely basic land mana base. And that was like good enough to actually win. So there's like some crazy stuff going on in standard right now. And I, I'm finding it very enjoyable. <laughs> Wait, build, build your own this? field of death. You mean Phylath, <laughs> right? Phylath. I think I I mixed it up with the Demir God. That was kind of a hybrid of Phylath uh, and Phoenix. <laughs> mix them together. I, 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 I'm just gonna. <laughs> All right. I, I think I heard the name that I thought you said, and and it, it, it sounded like you said a different word, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> Uh, so any other standard thoughts uh, before we move on to some other topics? All right. So we got a new secret layer announcement today, uh, a charity-ish secret layer. Uh, Richard, what are we getting in this secret layer drop that goes on sale in November? All right. Going on sale November 6th, $59.99 with uh, half of it going to Extra Life Charity. We have Amnit of Vigor. We have Collected Company, Consecrated Sphinx, and my favorite card, Teferi's Protection. <laughs> yes. Four cards. So I mean, this secret layer drop is probably, like, just from a pure value perspective, I think this is the best secret layer drop that they've ever printed. Like, I, I kind of mathed it out, and if you're going to get the cheapest non-foil version of each of these cards, it would set you back around $100, and you get this for 60 So it's almost, just from a pure EV perspective, you're almost getting twice as much in card value as you spend on this drop, which normally that's not how secret layers have been traditionally. Usually they're around break-even, maybe even a little under EV-wise, but then you're getting like special art to make up for it. So they really juice this from a value perspective for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I like... On top of like the value of the cards that are here, uh, the artwork is absolutely amazing, 
right? Like, I mean, like let, let, the secret layer. I mean, the uh, the Teferi's protection art is absolutely gorgeous, and I really, really, really like that flavor text. It's so adorable and like ah, uh, it's just great. And then you see the the Coco art that has a Johnny uh, playing with like you know like other like I, what, what, what is. What is it, Johnny? Leonin. Leonin, there it is. Other Leonin, like, like, like kids, and they're just hanging out, and he's like training them, and I'm like, this is awesome. Even my dog agrees. That's why he's growling in the background. (laughs) The only one I don't especially understand or like art wise is Amulet. Like, I don't know. I guess there's an amulet on there, but I I definitely agree. Coco and Teferi's protection are really sweet. Consecrated Sphinx is kind of like, eh, all right. I guess art wise, but uh, yeah, it definitely looks like a pretty solid drop. What do you guys think of the charity aspect? So I, I tweeted about this, and there were a couple people who were like, "Eh, you should be more critical of this. This is just wizards trying to get a tax write off." And really, like, sure, wizards will get a tax write off. They're donating half of it to a really good cause, though, and the values there from a player's perspective, where you're getting a really good amount of cards, or value of cards for its price, to me, it looks like a win-win-win. Like, sure, wizards gets a tax write off, but whatever, they're giving a lot of money to charity, and players are getting a good deal. What do you think of that criticism? Like, should we be viewing this skeptically for some reason? I mean, it's possible that two people win when they meet, right? It's possible that Wizards gets a tax write-off and they get a victory and Extra Life gets a bunch of money so they get a victory and in fact it's a three-way win because players get the cards they want. So just because something good happens to one party doesn't mean something bad necessarily happens to everyone else. So I'm not sure what the criticism here is. Um, Some may look at it as like, okay, is this the way they're making up for the response to the walking dead uh you know is this i can't i can't think of any other reason to criticize this like you know they've had so many secret layers now uh if you want the cards these this gives you the cards at a discount and they're giving money to charity so i i I don't know right (laughs) like i think it's it's good, right? The only the only thing I would say is it's a little weird that they are back to only having foils after like the for a minute they had secret layers where you could choose foil or non foil, and now it seems like they're back to like only making foils. So I'm not really sure what the the rhyme or reason of the printing process is. I I just assume when they announced that there was going to be a secret layer drop where you could choose if you want a foil or non foil, that that's how they would all be moving forward. Uh, so that's not really a, a criticism, just like a. Uh, I'm kind of puzzled why why we did that for a minute and then we moved away from it so quickly because I thought that was a cool option for people to have because some people don't actually want the foils but as far as this secret layer there's not much not to like and Teferi's Protection is a card that we really needed more copies of and Teferi's Protection is like $40 by itself <laughs> if you need a copy for Commander like you get this for 60 bucks and you get a bunch of other pretty good cards too it seems like uh, just like a great option. Like, you got something for modern players, Eclectic Company, and Amulet. You got Commander players covered with protection, and also Consecrated Fakes. Like, it seems just like one of the best secret layer drops they've done, and you get to help out a good charity. So, I see it as a win-win-win. I mean, I, I, I will say it is still very expensive, right? Like, every time we play Commander Clash, and I have a really sweet deck, I'm like, ah, maybe I'll build this in paper. And then I look at the, <laughs> the actual paper price, and I'm like, why is the Fairies Protection, like, a million dollars? 
And so uh, I, I don't build it, right? And you know, even if you consider Teferi's Protection here $30 or $20, that's still $20 for a magic card, right? And I still need like 99 other cards. So the decks end up being pretty expensive anyway. So in that sense, like even though it lowers the price of Teferi's Protection, it doesn't lower it to a dollar, right? It's still a very expensive card and then I don't want to buy it, and then therefore I don't want to build paper EDH decks, right? So, but Richard, to me, what, effectively, it doesn't change much. Like, mm. what? What about three visits? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when that card is uh, two dollars, I will buy it. <laughs> oh, it's just it, so it, expensive. It's not worth it. Just play. Just play budget commander, man. It's like the same fun without breaking the bank. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that that is true, but I, I don't know if that's really a criticism of the secret layer either. Like, that's more like <laughs> a criticism of the magic economy as a whole, I think, uh, than, than of the secret layer in specific, because I feel like... I feel like it's a pretty fair price. Like, I don't look at this and think, wow, that's way overcosted. I guess it is true. The other thing I guess you could criticism, uh, criticize, uh, would be, they do tend to jack up the prices whenever they do a charity drop, which I remember, I think it was the International Women's Day drop. They like added 10 or $20 to the price. It felt like compared to all the other drops. So it does feel like a little bit sometimes like Wizards is getting everyone else to give to charity, but still like it's a fair amount of cards for its price. It's cards you actually need to play formats. It's really hard for me to nitpick this one. Yeah, I, I think they absolutely like nail this this whole drop, and like really like the artwork. It's just really nice artwork. I, I this is like I, I think that's the main thing that's gonna make me jump on this is this artwork and the flavor text on the cards, all of them, or the the three that have them. All right, so we got one other topic that I wanted to bring up today before we get to fish mail, and. That is leaks in Magic. So if you've been keeping track of Commander Legends, it was initially supposed to, I think, come out the end of this week. And spoiler season was supposed to start like a week ago. It got pushed back due to printing or shipping or some sort of delays. Uh, but basically, some boxes filtered out into the public. Uh, I, I don't know how that happened, but boxes got in the public. Those boxes were sold on eBay and people have been opening... <laughs> their boxes and posting the cards as they opened in their boxes and in their packs on places like Reddit, other social media platforms. So at this point, a pretty meaningful chunk of Commander Legends has leaked. Uh, I don't think it's literally the entire set, but it feels like most of the set at this point. If you want to scour the internets, you can pretty much find more or less uh, close to the entire set. So this has brought up the conversation about leaks and magic again, which comes up every so often. How do you guys interact with leaks? Like, how, that was my first question for you. So, something like this happens, a bunch of uh, cards leak. Do you, do you look at them? Like, do you, do you go check out the, the new cards or do you wait and think, well, eventually these will come out officially? I, I usually don't look at them because I myself just, I, I think it's like, I'll wait until it's like officially announced. It's more, it, that's how it is for me. I mean, I know that there's like some obvious like uh, upsides, you know, I mean, I guess as weird as it sounds, there's some advantages of uh, taking a look at these cards early because, you know, I mean, you get to know, hey, maybe this archetype is now valid or something like that and get a head start. But uh, I myself usually just ignore the leaks. What about you, Richard? How do you interact with leaks? So I tend to not read them anymore. Like the, the only reason to read them 
uh, is what Krim hinted at, is to get a head start on the financial aspects, right? There, there are some actual real replications of this, right? Uh, repercussions of this. So if there is a card that supports a new archetype, uh, all the supporting cards will spike up in price, especially if it's something very popular, right? For example, uh, if it's a popular tribe like zombies or something, and you know there's like going to be a new, like maybe zombie mill is a thing, uh, there will be a bunch <laughs> of cards that will spike up. Uh, or other things like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a card right on on cast for you. Three visits is reprinted, right? That has a lot of repercussions, right? Like the the price will 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 drop, right? So if you know about this, uh, you would try to unload your three visits as quickly as possible, or you would know not to buy your three visits uh, until the set releases. So I think in that regards, it's important to know about uh, the leaks. But in terms of like flavor or getting a head start on brewing and those things, like I'd rather just wait on the official release, especially uh, the way the leaks are happening. Like they are foreign cards, blurry camera, people trying to translate and things like that. It's just a better experience to experience the the official way. But you know, if you are buying paper magic cards and you know money you want to save money and things like that, you need to know about all the leaks, right? So it's you can't really just ignore them because there'll be big financial repercussions for you. Yeah, that's that's more or less where I la- uh, land on them as well. Um, I do tend to look at them. I used to... We used to do a lot more with them, honestly. Like, we wrote articles about leaks and stuff. We've mostly moved away from actually, like, doing content about leaks. And I personally moved away from even, like, tweeting the card images or anything because I know there are people that choose to try to avoid all leaks. And I think it's a really respectable position. Like, if you're someone that doesn't want to see leaks, I think you should uh, should have the option and not have those, uh, you know, splashed in front of your face in a way that you can't see them. On the other hand, as Richard mentioned, like, there are legitimate financial reasons, and for some people, their primary concern of playing Magic is being able to get the cards they need as cheaply as possible, because they don't have a huge budget to be able to play Magic. We were just talking about Teferi's Protection. Yeah, it's kind of reprinted. That's a $40 card. That's a lot for some people. Uh, that's a lot for a lot of people, honestly. it's a, Magic is an expensive game. So I feel like there's a, there is value to giving people the option to to examine the leaks if they need to or choose to because for some people the the financial aspect is the the real concern here and some people just can't afford to be like okay i'm gonna avoid these for flavor purposes or whatever like i want to see them spoiled in the way they were intended to be spoiled some people can't afford to make that choice when the cost of that is they're gonna have to spend a lot more for their cards or they're gonna buy a three visits for two hundred dollars without realizing that it's gonna be two dollars you know in a couple of weeks once the set comes out so uh so I feel like everyone needs to be able to make their own decisions. Do you think there's any way to uh to stop these? Like how do you think this one happened? Do you think this is a covid related like that thing because of the shipping delay that wizards actually like had boxes printed and some of them accidentally got shipped to someone who put them on eBay or do you think it's more more sketchy like someone stole them from a factory or something? I mean, it, it, it is I thought stolen. people just it bought feels, them early, right? Yeah, it is stolen, uh, but I don't know to what. Was it stolen? Uh, I but, mean, well, it is, though, right? I I thought I thought these were like some store got them and then put them on sale like too early, or or something like that, and then someone snatched them up. But regardless of how it happens, there's a couple easy ways to fix this, right? So one, 
as soon as a leak happens, you you like squash the leak part of it and release it all officially, right? So that you you level the information playing field and like everybody that cares will know about these cards and they don't have to dig through like, you know, shady corners of the MTG uh, <laughs> community digging up leaks and stuff like that, right? Like, you're like, like, look, okay, this thing leaks and Wizards has done that sometimes, right? Sometimes a Chase Mythic or something gets leaked and then like a day or two later, it shows up on the, the daily update and they're like, hey, there's this card. Other times they've just like completely ignored it, right? And they've done nothing. Uh, the other thing they can do is just have preview season a lot earlier, right? The minute you have boxes being sent out, uh, so if you're worried about stores leaking, right? The, the minute your boxes are, are starting to ship out to distributors, you do preview season. So like the, the cards can't be leaked. If you're worried about your factories leaking it, the, the places that actually print these things, you can do preview season as soon as they've, they've gone to printers, right? So there, there are ways to fix this by just moving preview season up. Uh, so I, I think Wizards can actually deal with this. And then the, the last one is like severely punish those that have a leak, right? Like, um, you know, for example, your bank information is very important, right? If it gets leaked out, it's very problematic. There are like government regulations and things like that put in place to prevent this from happening, right? Like they're severely punished if uh, things go wrong. So Wizards can like bring the hammer down on uh, distributors or stores or whoever who you know accidentally release product early or don't have the security in place to prevent people from like running out of the factory with a box or whatever so i don't know wizards can do a lot but they just seem to not care like they're like ah something happened hopefully it doesn't happen again next time cross our fingers right <laughs> like because this keeps happening every preview season now right like it was actually shocking for like two or three preview seasons we went through without a leak uh, but now we're back to the, there's a leak, right? And then Whoa. not only a leak, but a leak of like almost the entire set, right? Do you think it's because of the the way they pushed back the previews? And that maybe this, like, when did the leak go up? I actually That's probably what happened, right? Like, right. they pushed back the stuff and then like some store or something didn't get notified or something. And then it, it went out or it, it's probably related to that, probably related to COVID in some way. But but I, I don't know, right? Like that's kind yeah. of the norm now, right? You you will have production delays, you will have stuff like that, so they should be able to deal with it. Yeah, this and this has been a pretty big one. It's been a while. Uh, you mentioned that it had been pretty good. The last few sets, like actually pretty impressive that we hadn't had many leaks because we were getting at least some every set, and we had some really big ones in the past. Like I remember the Ixlon sheet leaked. There was a massive, like basically the entire set of Dominaria leaked. Uh, so we've had some really, really massive leaks. And it kind of reminds me of those where this is another one of those huge ones. I do feel like wizards should try to take it more seriously. Um, and I do think that like punishing the people that leak is very fair. Like I don't think that, I, my opinion has always been, and it still is, like, once a leak is, like, on the top of R slash Magic TCG or, like, some very accessible and known place in the community, at that point, it's kind of silly. Like, pretending like it doesn't exist is, to some extent, just, like, ignorant of how the internet works. Like, once something is to that stage... Remove it from the internet. Like, it's, <laughs> <Delete> yeah, it. <laughs> it's just, it's just the cat's out of the bag at that point. But I do think that Wizards, and maybe they do and we don't hear about it, but... I do think Wizards should uh, should severely punish people who actually do the leaking. Whoever is 
you know, putting the pictures on Reddit or selling the boxes early on eBay or stealing them the sheet from the factory or whatever. Like, I feel like uh, like the hammer really should come down on that. And maybe people would think twice. Maybe the the Internet, I don't know, cred that people get from from leaking is still enough that people are going to do it anyway. But I would hope that uh, that harsh repercussions would uh, make people think twice. I do think moving up spoiler season might be tough just because I feel like Wizards wants to have spoiler season and then release the set so they can start selling the set when people are at, like, maximum hype from spoiler season. And if you did spoiler season, like, a month early and then just went back to normal for a while and then all of a sudden the set went on sale... I don't know, people are going to forget or maybe not be as hyped about it as they were during spoiler season. So I do think that like having spoiler season lead up to release is probably important for marketing purposes. But I do think that Wizards uh, should definitely take a stronger action to try to keep it from uh, happening because it does to some extent, it always leads to arguments in the community for one thing. And it takes away from what should be a fun time of just people getting to look at new magic cards and talking about new magic cards? Instead, we end up in this position where it's people fighting about leaks, which I think like just reduces the fun of the entire experience. And then you do have like secondary concerns, like theoretically it could hurt content creators who have their card leaked. Although whether or not that actually happens is certainly up for debate. I know like some videos uh, in content based on uh, spoiler content based on leak cards have done just as well as uh, cards that were not leaked for spoiler content. So I, I don't really know if that's a major consideration, but I do think something, something should be done because it's just sad to have the community all like fighting about leaks and where a card came from instead of being like, wow, that's a really sweet card. Like what commander deck can I build with it? Or, you know, where would I draft this? What kind of deck would I draft it? Or can I play it in legacy? So it just shifts the focus from something that should be really fun and positive into something that is often negative, I think, which is, is kind of sad. Anyway, any other uh, leak thoughts or should we hit up some fish mails? All right, Richard, fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So first question, future Grek 299 With the implementation of Arena, it's clear that letting players play test is the best way to get the most data. Will Watsi ever use streamers and people close to Watsi to play the sets early to weed out future banning issues? I mean, it, we kind of do right now, right? I mean, with like early access event, at least for like letting streamers and other people play the sets early. Because technically, that I, mean, I feel that doesn't actually change balance, though, right? That's it does, like, it maybe doesn't. they find a bug. Yeah, yeah. But is is it the like literally the play design team? Like, is this right? It's like hand picked people. A lot of them are, uh, you know, ex pros or people high in magic or whatever, and they play test. But the the issue is, it's like a small team. Uh, so if if you actually want the actual mass data, you need to do a beta or something. Uh, which we we've talked about before you can't really do that you can't do like a play test realm or anything like that because we have the paper version of the game uh, which needs to be printed uh, way beforehand and then therefore you can't make the the balance updates necessary from your data so wizards is just kind of straddling the line between physical and digital and they can't really do anything here yeah, I mean, they have a, a data for Magic Online, but it's more used to, like, test new features rather than to test new cards. I think something like that would be awesome. But as you said, like, how would the timing work? Are you going to have, uh, like, 
the fault like Zendikar Rising in some sort of beta like a year ahead of time? Is that even practical? So then you'd have time to print the cards, and I think and, the logistics is probably the sticking point. Yeah, and and the cards would have to go under a code name like like I don't know <laughs> Banana Gun or something like that. <laughs> and we were just talking about leaks, like you know, yes, you'll NDA people, and yes, you'll tell people not to do it, but will everyone actually do that? Probably not. So you are kind of creating another potential source for leaks. I guess maybe you can get around it to some extent by using fake names yeah. and stuff, but but still, you are you kind of the actual the door cards, to... right? Like every other game, there's like no secret that there's a new character coming or something, and you're all playtesting it, right? It's just public information. Like the game should be the problem is magic is like relying on this like secretive aspect of it like you know what is the flavor of the new cards or what is the name or what's the power and things like that whereas other games are like look this is happening right test it for a month and then we release it balanced and then there you go <laughs> right whereas magic is like oh but it's the surprise and the deck building and the brewing and things like that so it doesn't translate over to magic as well uh, same with like every other game, right? They're like, here, have all the data, have all the win percentages, have all the pieces of data. Here's an API, go at it. Magic is like, no, 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 <laughs> right? Secret, right? We can't give you this because the metagame will solve too fast and the game will be broken. So uh, like if you if you played standard on a public test realm, let's say you played Oko on a public test realm for like three months. <laughs> Are you going to play Oko some more when it releases in standard proper? Like maybe you're done, right? Like I've played enough Oko, I don't want to play this anymore. So, yeah, there, there are some challenges to bringing these other aspects into, uh, into Magic. Uh, at Bicycle, it seems like the online EDH community dislikes partners, planeswalkers as commanders, free spells, and made for EDH staples. They still get made. Is there a disconnect between EDH players and WotC? Is there an offline casual segment that enjoys these things? Hmm. So I personally dislike those things, and I definitely have seen kind of the general mood around the online commander community also being against those things. I think casuals might just not care. <laughs> like, I, I just don't know if they care about things like that, because if you're playing casually, you probably don't care about having a free counter spell or whatever. So, uh, I mean, are there people like them? I guess so. I, I certainly have been critical of Arcane Signet, and then I definitely have had people be like, I like Arcane Signet. So, I guess to some extent, there are people who do like them. How the numbers break down, though, how do you know? There's not really any way to to know, especially since even if you do a poll or something it's going to be biased and skewed towards the people that are online because those are the people that will see the poll. Yeah, the, the more I think about it, the less this casual segment makes sense to me. So so on one hand, like when you play any game, like like let's say you play a board game, right? You're probably a casual, right? Like there's, there's probably like two different teams or like four different things you can do. And like, are they 100% balanced? Like who knows? You play it like one time with your friends and then you never play it again. So like you're, you're never gonna know the in-depth strategies. And I'm sure there are magic players that do this, right? They pick up a pre-con, they play, they find some synergy in their deck and they're done. Like are the colors balanced? Who knows? Are the decks balanced? They don't know, right? Can they even like operate their deck? Maybe, right? But <laughs> will these people actually spend hundreds of dollars on magic? Like, are, are these the people you're going after? Or do they just spend like 10 bucks, 15 bucks and call it a day, right? Like when you're trying to sell like $50 cards, $60 secret layers, nefarious protection, $100 pre-con sets and things like that, those players are probably the invested players that actually read about the game, that talk about it on Reddit and things like that. So those are your invested people. And I think 
Like, there's probably more casual players, but the amount of money they bring has has to be less than like the actual uh, like hardcore fans that read about information online, right? Like, if you're a casual, like, why would you pay a hundred dollars for a deck or like five hundred dollars for a deck? It doesn't really make any sense to me. So, the more I think about it, I think there are a lot of casuals, but they don't spend that much money. So, you should probably care about like these people really venting on Reddit and things like that about planeswalkers as commanders and things like that. Nope, Seth, did you have something to add? No. Yeah, I was I was waiting to see if Grim was going to say anything, oh. but yeah, I mean that's been a that's been my experience as someone who started off playing as a casual, like, and I think most people start off playing pretty casually, and we had a big box of cards that someone had growing up that ended up at our apartment in college, and that's what we played with, and maybe we picked up like I remember like a, a vampire themed pre-con deck that one of the people in the playground group thought was really cool because they love vampires and they picked that up and threw in random cards from <laughs> the big box of cards that was like the communal collection for the most part and that was their deck so my experience as a casual player was definitely that the people I played with did not spend a lot of money on magic cards. We were playing with the cards that we had, and then occasionally someone would get a pre-con, or maybe you'd grab a, a booster pack just for fun when you were checking out somewhere. But you definitely weren't buying hundreds of dollars of magic cards, or and at the time, that this is way before collector's boosters, but there's no way anyone in the casual playgroup that I was in would even consider spending, you know, $100 on a booster pack or $350 on a booster pack. And the whole idea of, like, EV and, like, oh, it's going to be worth it and you'll get more in cards than you spend, like, that wouldn't have mattered anything to, <laughs> to us at that point either. So I think you're you're right. You're, what you were suggesting about casuals match up pretty much with my experience starting out playing Magic as a very casual player. All right. Uh, next question. 2D, 2D dimensional. Uh, I'm considering playing Magic Online while Paper Modern is on hiatus. Uh, I'm concerned about the cost. $10 for an account, 5 to $10 per week for card rental. League costs are negligible, assuming my win rate is greater than 50%. Is my math accurate? Uh, yes, basically. That, that sounds, that sounds about correct to me. If you can win 50% in leagues, you should break even or come out slightly ahead over the long run. Loan programs can depend mostly on what you want to play. You could do it for just a couple of bucks a week if you're going to play Pauper or something, but if you're going to play more expensive formats, yeah, it's going to be, cause I think it's like 3%-ish of your, like, maximum account value. So, yeah, you're probably going to spend, you know, five, ten dollars a week for the most part to play formats like Pioneer Modern or something. Uh, so, so yeah, those numbers sound about right. Is it cheap? Not exactly. The only thing I would say, if you can win more than 50%, one of the unique aspects of Magic Online compared to Arena is you actually could, like, win leagues and use your profits to pay for your loan program. So yeah, you break even at a 50%, but if you can get up to like 55% or 60% for sure, you will, uh, you'll probably be able to play for free, including paying for your loan, uh, your loan account with your winnings from playing. Yeah, I, I would look at the loan program. So loan programs are great if you want to bounce around decks. Like that's literally the point. Uh, like you can play one deck today and then tomorrow if you want to complete a different deck, you can swap it out. But if you know you're just playing like a single deck, uh, it's probably better to just buy it because you can sell it back later. And then uh, any money you put into Magic Online, like the actual Magic Online, like in tickets, you can take back out. So that's where it's unique from Magic Arena. Uh, whereas like the loan program, it's like a rental, right? So you're just paying the money and then it's gone. 
but like you could buy like a tier one deck uh play leagues for like a month and then sell it back and lose like 10 percent of the deck value and you may come out on top because you want enough from your leagues uh, so just look at that. If you are only going to play one deck, then it's probably better to buy and sell that deck later. Uh, but if you want to play like five, six, seven different decks, then uh, loan programs will be will be the better one. Z-Lock one. How long before Watsi starts adding new cards to standard via secret layer to fix standard instead of banning cards? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, what right now standard is good, but at some point, I I, I don't I don't see it happening that'd be essentially what an emergency printing right <laughs> I, I don't see an emergency printing happening but i mean it would be cool right like uh like when field of the dead was running rampant oh we're gonna actually have field of ruin immediately added to the set now with arena I mean, goblin crater maker or whatever. <laughs> yeah yeah goblin crater maker you, you have like field of ruin to add to the meta but like the one way you could do it... See, this would be a lot easier if, you know, Magic didn't... I, I mean, I love Paper Magic, but if Magic didn't have the paper half of it, you could easily just do what they do on Arena right now. Uh, randomly, like, the Goblin Bombardment enchantment or whatever is added to the best of one queue, right? There's a lot of best of, like, like Arena-exclusive cards that are available in best of one queue. So if if Wizards were to ever cut ties with the paper half... They could totally do where like at least competitively, right? Where we're talking like standard and whatnot, that like that cut ties with the paper half. They could easily then just start emergency, like adding cards to the format. Yeah, I would hate it if it was new cards. Uh I'm just like blanket against unique cards being printed in secret layer. I do think the idea of like, hey, here's this old card that we could just be like it's legal now, and if you want to release a secret layer and have some new art, like, whatever, go for it. Like, I've come to grips with secret layers being a thing that's going to keep happening. But I think if it was reprints, I think that's kind of an interesting idea, although I do remember, I think it was the Aetherworks Marvel banning, that was something that Wizards actually directly addressed in the BNR announcement. They said they considered it, but had decided against that. Maybe they will change their thinking and try doing it, but last we have heard from Wizards on that idea... They thought about it and decided not to go that direction. Like, yeah, like, see, like, adding new cards, uh, emergency, like, reprinting cards, stuff like that, all that just gets a lot easier with, with a digital thing. So, I, I, I would, I would personally like to see it, but, uh, you guys say this and it, like, horrendously scares me, right? It's like another avenue for wizards to sell even more cards. So, first, <laughs> They release like a super broken Chase Mythic so that everyone has to buy the latest set. And then it dominates the meta, setting them up perfectly for a secret layer answers where you have to buy the secret layer to get the answers to the broken Chase Mythic you just released, like doubling their revenue. Like this all scares me. Stop talking. Stop giving them ideas. Yeah, Wizards, okay, don't listen okay. to any of this. Please that, don't. That is true, actually. When you say it like that, that is definitely very terrifying. Oh, we're going to purposely put Omnath into the format and then yeah, they get to sell even more cards, the, right? Yeah, How about this it, new shiny fatal push we get to put in standard now? Just to solve, you know, this problem. Here, it's buy the, more. The, the EA approach, right? <laughs> uh, all right, that's all the time we have for fish mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have fish mail, send them to at mtggoldfish on Twitter with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And 
I believe that brings us to the end of episode 299 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. We will be back next week to talk about Commander Legends spoilers and whatever else goes down in the world of magic. So until then, have a wonderful week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Thank you.